This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Thank you very much, John, for the uh, kind words of welcome, and also to the um, uh, to the to the elders of the church. Uh, thank you very much for your for your trust. You know, it's unusual as well to to give the platform to somebody that you don't know that well. So, uh, it, for me, it communicates a lot of trust and just a, a healthy spirit within the church as well uh, among members. So, thank you very much for. Uh, for sharing your platform with me uh, this morning. Uh, I was, my first time to South Africa was in 2004, and uh, it holds a special, uh, special place in my heart because I was actually going through a period in my life uh, I like to call sort of a defining moment uh, in, my, uh, in my walk with God. And so there was this period, and so, and so that's why coming back to South Africa every, uh, for the last couple of years has been uh, special because it keeps reminding me of that uh, season that I went through back in 2004. And uh, based on that, I would like to start uh, to uh, title my, uh, my sharing this morning uh, on uh, dangerously bold prayers. Dangerously bold prayers. Uh, it's easy to understand bold prayers, so I've intentionally used the word dangerous uh, in it as well. And I'll explain as I continue to share. Okay? And so prayer has always been a big part of my life. Um, Ever since from my teenage years uh, up to my uh, 20s, uh, as I look back on my life, I can say with all confidence that I believe that this period of my life uh, in dedicating to uh, when, where prayer was a big part of my life, I firmly believe that God has uh, directed a lot of my paths and, and, and you know, decisions that I made later on. And as I look back and I think, man, there are some decisions I made I wouldn't have made you know, for any right-thinking teenager, uh, you know, I wouldn't have made the decision. I can firmly believe that it was God, uh, God's moving in my life that, you know, those are some of the decisions. And, you know, and, and, and that his hand was it. And so it gave me the sure foundation uh, in terms of the direction in life that I would uh, eventually follow. Uh, my prayer life uh, back then would involve, uh, just to give you a glimpse, uh, there's a period where we would, would pray all night, uh, all night prayers on Friday nights. And uh, this would be every single Friday for about two to three years. Uh, from after youth would finish at 10 o'clock, 11, right all the way to 6 o'clock. Uh, and uh, the prayer would involve walking the streets, praying for, the, praying for our city. Uh, sometimes we would climb up mountains 3 o'clock in the morning so that we can pray over the city. 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, this is running up uh, barefoot and then coming back down again. Uh, sometimes you'd be uh, standing in front of parliament, um, standing in the gap for leaders. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, and it's also delivering possessed people that, you know, that would stumble into church during those times. So that was uh, just a bit of a background into some of, uh, some of the prayer life that I was involved in when, uh, as a teenager into my 20s. And, you know, and as I look back as well, I laugh at some of the things that, uh, that we did back then, you know. And so, and I thank God for his wisdom that he always protected me. Uh, you know, for, for instance, you know, sometimes we bordered on extremism, and then at sometimes, you know, we are bordering on religious exercise, you know, where it just became like, oh, you know, we had to go because, uh, you know, it was part of the thing to do on Friday night. Uh, and then sometimes uh, uh, a bit arrogant in the sense, you know, of, of trusting in God. And I'll explain why I say arrogant, because uh, there are sometimes we would pray all night, 
from 10 o'clock all the way to 6 o'clock in the morning. And then uh, finish at 6, go down, the, go down the streets, buy a pie, and then walk over to the grounds. And then uh, at the grounds, we would play uh, whole day touch tournaments from 8 o'clock all the way up to 5 o'clock. Okay? So this is praying all night, playing all day, and then heading home. You know, there was one instance, there was one instance I was driving home just as well my sister was with me. And I almost veered off the road while driving home, you know. So that's why I said, it's a bit of ignorant, uh, you know, as you continue to pray. But like I said, uh, there are some things that we laughed at. I look back and I laughed at. But I can say that there are many positives that I gained from this period uh, in my life, uh, especially in the time of prayer. And so those are some of the things that helped shape my life uh, and also helped me in terms of um, going further in my prayer walk. Uh, and to the instance of committing uh, one hour every single day in praying, uh, you know, in praying to the Lord, you know, uh, kneeling and seeking His face, and you know, and I said, as a result of my prayers, uh, as a result of this prayer life that I went uh, went through, it helped uh, shape and helped evolve my prayer life, uh, even to the instance, and uh, which is why I said, uh, and then you, you started praying bold and dangerous prayers, you know, and I'll explain what I mean by dangerous prayers, and so as a result, this was some of the. What shaped my life, and why I say dangerous prayers. Richard Foster says, all of the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers in, ushers us into a perpetual communion with God, and is the central avenue God uses to transform our lives. Okay, and so uh, uh, just a quote from uh, from Richard Foster uh, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline. Now there are two levels that I would like to share. uh, about dangerously bold prayers. Uh, two levels. One is on a personal level. And so when I mean personal level as it relates to self and things that uh, relate to you and uh, or some of the things that are private to you. And then the second one is sort of a general, uh, at a general level that relates to all other matters outside of you. So some things that may be public as well. Okay, so these are the two. So the first one that I would like to share is on a personal level. Two examples I would like to share with you about uh, dangerously bold prayers. Okay, just to give you context. Uh, share a little bit of my testimony, and then I'll, uh, I'll explain about dangerous prayers. So, in my early, as, as with prayer being a big part of my life, uh, you know, I'd be praying and asking God. And there was a point in my life where I said, man, I wanted to become a missionary. And so, um, so I'd be praying. I'd be praying and asking God, Lord, I want to become a missionary. So I finished, uh, univers- uh, finished uh, university, uh, starting to be uh, uh, in uh, architecture. And then as I started to work, I was like, Lord, I want to become a missionary, you know. Uh, so I started praying. Uh, five years. So that was around 99, 2000, 2001, uh, 2003. And I'm saying, Lord, open a door. I want to become a missionary. Send me somewhere. Uh, you know, somewhere in Africa, somewhere in Asia, Latin America, wherever. Just open a door. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to become a missionary. Uh, and, you know, somehow, no open doors. And I'm like, Lord, really? And so anyways, uh, 2004 uh, came along. Uh, well, to understand a bit of, uh, let me backtrack a bit. To understand a bit of our cultural context, these uh, were so, uh, a lot of the developing world, as well as in the islands, were so communal. So there's, uh, there's a big emphasis on relationships, uh, respecting your elders, and you, know, and, you know, and you give a bit of uh, reverence to them as well. And so, in a sense, when you try to break out, uh, you know, and try to step out and do things on your own, it's sort of like a bondage that is on your back, you know, and, you know that prevents people from stepping out and venturing into new things, you know. And so you, it's hard, you, you hardly take a risk in a lot of the things that you do. And, you know, and you, I come to think of it, you know, it was 
almost as if it's a bondage that restricts people from breaking free and doing whatever they want. So that's a bit of the cultural context as well. So come 2004, fifth year of, uh, of me praying uh, for God to open a door f- uh, for me to go into the mission field. I give up on praying. That, uh, and usually on the New Year's, the church, the youth groups would organize, uh, they would organize uh, New Year's Day picnics. You know, they would go to the picnic. So after the New Year's service, I came home. I sat down and I said, today I will not go for a New Year's picnic. I will stay home and I'll just pray and I'll just seek God uh, and seek his purpose and uh, direction for my life. And so I used that day of fasting and praying, just seeking God. Lord, what is it? Uh, somewhere during that day, you know, I, you know I'd been, because I'd been praying as well to become a missionary, during the day I said, I told the Lord, okay, Lord, I'm tired of, uh, of waiting for you to open the door. By the middle of the year, I will resign from my work. And, you know, and I'll, uh, I don't know what I'll do back then. You know, I, I don't know what I'll do. So, uh, you know, I'll hand my life into your hands, whatever plans that you have. So come in January. February, and I remember the covenant that I made with God. And then March, April, May, and I'm thinking, man, okay, you know, I've made this covenant with God. I need to honor this covenant that I made with God. And so it came around June, end of June, and I'm like, towards the last Friday of June, I remember waking up during my quiet time. Uh, I wrote a, uh, you know, and going to work with the intention of handing in my resignation letter. So up to that stage in my life, there were five things that I treasured and I held very dear to my heart. Uh, you know, and so this was some of the things, a uh, form of security that I had. One was my family. I loved my family, uh, you know, and, and I held them dear to my heart. The second one, uh, the second one was uh, a, a dream. You know, I, I had this sporting dream that I wanted to achieve. Uh, the third one was my sporting career. So I was still playing, uh, actively playing, competing, and I enjoyed it. Uh, third one was uh, a relationship that I was in as well. And the, uh, the uh, fourth one, fifth one was, um, my, was my work. So I was working and there was this form of security because you're working, you're getting paid, you know, you had finances to, to survive and uh, look after yourself. But when I prayed that prayer, uh, New Year's uh, of 2004, you know, I gave permission to God, uh, you know, in saying that, you know, by, by this, by the middle of the year, I will resign and, you know, and I'll, I'll hand my life into your hands. But during that period... God was actually challenging me on these five areas of my life to actually give up and give it to him. And then come June, the last Friday of June, I go to work. I hand in a resignation letter. Um, I had already applied as well. At, uh, oh, sorry. So I hand in the resignation. So that afternoon, I was sitting at work. I was looking at my computer screen. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? You know, and uh, to understand a bit of the culture, I come back from my family background. Dad comes, uh, I was brought up uh, with dad's really strict regime, you know. Uh, he has a big sense of, um, of pride that where he is today was, he's working. He, you know, it was through his effort. Uh, to the extent that while he was schooling, he was actually supporting his parents. While he was schooling. He would plant uh, at, uh, in boarding school, sell the produce, take the finances to support the family. Worked, paid his way to university overseas. And wanted to bring the, his parents over. So there was this sense of pride that where he was in life, he, he sweated it out, out, of, you know, out of his brow and that he worked it. And so in a sense, that pressure was actually uh, put on us as kids as well. That we needed to work through everything in life as well. And so that was something that, uh, that we went through. So, you know, so this was the thing that was running through my head. Late that afternoon on Friday, uh, Friday afternoon, I received an email from, you know, for, for those of us that know Rene, 
She sends an email saying that I've just been accepted to attend the, uh, uh, the International Sports Leadership School at the island. And I'm like, whoa, you know, like, and, you know, and God communicated into my heart at that moment. And he was saying, like, you know, all these years you've been praying for me to open the door and I would take the first step. But all these years I've been waiting for you to take the first step and I would open the door. You know, and so for me that was a big, uh, a big burden that lifted off my shoulder. Now I say this, but it all came back to, um, uh, to a prayer I prayed as a young person. And, and, and one of the prayers that I prayed as a young person was, uh, there was one time I was praying, and this is probably one of the most clearest, clearest times where I've heard God speak in my life. And I was praying the prayer according to Ephesians, Lord, what is my calling? What is my calling? And I clearly heard God say, a sports evangelist. And I'm like, really? You know, I, I never knew anything about uh, uh, the, the sports movement across the world. Or I, I love sports. I love God. But, you know, I, I, just, I just didn't understand. And so that was something that I, I put, you know, I sort of put on the back burners. And then when this came across, that, um, uh, and God answered, the, you know, sort of answered that prayer and then allowed me to come to South Africa, it just dawned on me that, you know, some of those dangerous, the, the dangerous prayer that I prayed uh, and the commitment that I made with God on January uh, of 2004 helped usher me into my plans and into my calling. Uh, Oswald Chambers calls it burning bridges. Uh, you force yourself to make a decision so that you move forward and you don't turn back. Okay, you burn the bridge behind you. Okay, you pray a prayer, you make a covenant, you burn the bridge behind you. There is no turning back. You have to go forward. You know, so sometimes in life, you know, uh, we need to pray dangerous prayers in our lives. You know, so some of us li- are living mediocre lives, lives that, you know, are just uh, existing, but we are not living life. You know, and I don't know about you, if you've ever prayed a dangerous prayer ever in your life. But I, can, I believe there's some of us that need to start praying those dangerous prayers or start praying some of those bold prayers to help activate the calling that God has had in your life. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I've I've, I've been through um, uh, doing a lot of trainings, and you know, and a lot of people that will do training, they still don't have a sense of purpose in life. Uh, you know, and maybe you need to pray a dangerous prayer to activate uh, your calling. You know, so that you, you're moving forward with God. Uh, you know, some of us need a bit of a jolt, so that you know, just to break the shackles that have always bound us. Maybe it might be a cultural bondage. Maybe it might be something that is holding us back. I love Job uh, in chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, when he says, hold your peace with me and let me speak. So he, this is when he was uh, responding to his, uh, uh, to his friends. And then let, uh, let come on me what may, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. The second part of verse 14, then let come on me what may. You know, Job is saying, whatever that be, let it come upon me. You know, he was willing to challenge, you know, willing to an extent to challenge God. You know, sometimes we need a challenge in our lives as well, you know, just to allow us to push us ahead and move us to the next, um, uh, next level. Uh, the, second, the second example that I would like to share as well on, on dangerous prayer or the, uh, or the private, uh, the personal, at a personal level, is about my dad. And so I shared a little bit earlier about the, the tough upbringing that we went through, but also a bit of his upbringing as well and some of the values that he had. And, you know, I've been praying for his salvation for a long time. I've been praying for his salvation. Uh, you know, and there's one time, you know, I said, okay, you know, I'm praying, no results are coming. And then I said, okay, you know, it's time to change my prayers a bit. And, you know, uh, adjust it to have an element of a dangerous prayer. And I said, Lord, 
I want you to do whatever, cause something that you will start to draw him closer to you. You know, that you will start to nudge him closer. Do whatever. And so basically, essentially what I'm doing is I'm giving God permission so that he can start to alter the situation that, uh, uh, alter my dead situation so that he can draw him closer to him. So you understand that he had this stone, uh, stone, uh, stone prideful heart. You know, and God is starting to, to move in. He still hasn't received Christ, but we give him the permission to do that. As a result, now if you give him permission to do that, it affects all of us as well. Okay, so dad has this farm, you know, and so uh, he wanted to invest in a farm and, you know, as I said, got in touch with the kids. We all helped with the repayment of the loan. And he said, you know, in three, three months, uh, three years, we'll pay it off and, you know, and we'll, uh, uh, the farm will start to run successfully and, you know, it'll run. And, and then first year goes, second year, third year, the farm still, is, the farm still isn't surviving, uh, you know, and he's complaining, the stress levels are up, uh, fourth, fifth, six years, still nothing. And, you know, and I, and I look back and I realize, and I said, you know, this is the prayer that I prayed. You know, this is one way of God starting to break, uh, break his heart. Is that, you know, these dangerous prayers that we need to pray. Now, it's not pleasant because it affects all of us as well. We still have to do the repayment. You know, we still have to help out with uh, the delivery and things that, you know, he wants that the farm can continue to run. And, you know, and it doesn't get captured uh, by the banks. You know, but is it pleasant? No. But is it necessary? For me, yes. And it is worth it. Because his salvation is worth much more than a successful farm. You know, we can, we can gain the whole world and yet lose our old soul. And so for me, it's always looking at the big picture. What is that big picture? And so for me, that's my dad's salvation. You know, and so I, I'm happy to be in an uncomfortable uh, zone or area in my life. At least if it would draw my dad closer to God. And you know, and over the years... I'm starting to see, uh, you know, an area in his life that is starting to break down. And, you know, and I know God is molding him and bringing him closer. And so I haven't told him the reason why the farm hasn't been successful, but, you know, <laughs> hopefully you guys don't go and share it with him. You know? And so a few lessons that we learned from that as well is that, you know, uh, on, on a private level, there's some prayers as well that is necessary to pray if it means so much to you uh, or your loved ones mean so much to you. Okay, let me move on to a general level. And so... Uh, and so this is just looking at other things outside of uh, the private matters. Mark Patterson uh, in his book, The Circle Maker, stated, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. Okay? Uh, God is ready to take on your biggest dreams and biggest goals. E.M. Bounds, who is uh, probably well known for, uh, for his writings on prayers, he pointed out a fact. And never in the Bible do we find an example of Jehovah in the Old Testament or Jesus in the New Testament complaining that people ask God uh, to do too much for them. On the contrary, God continually chides uh, or rebukes his people because they have lack of faith. Big, bold, daring prayers do not upset God. But little, anorexic, uh, unbelieving prayers upset God. You know, and so... Uh, how bold, how bold are your prayers? How bold are your prayers? You know, and, and as I share, hopefully we'll start to unpack what are some of these bold prayers. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus the Son of God, who was in all points tempted, like as, uh, like as we are, yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help uh, in time of need. 
this reflects as well on how we should approach God's throne of grace and approach uh, uh, the, uh, the area of prayer as well, is to come boldly and assured uh, as we pray, as we, as we enter into his throne of grace. The Greek word that is translated bold or boldly here is uh, parisi, which means to, op- to open and honestly, to be open and honest in the face of opposition. You know, and I don't know what kind of opposition that we go through in our private lives or in our city, in our community. What are some of those oppositions that we face at work? And so here, God is, God is saying uh, uh, for us to come boldly into his throne, throne of grace, the word of God. And to be honest and open about your prayers as well. So I'm not saying anything is, nothing's wrong about, you know, uh, the small prayers that we do on the everyday uh, prayers that we pray. Nothing wrong, okay? So this is, the topic is really bold prayers. And so the question we ask, have we been open and honest with our prayers with God? What are some of those big things, those big check marks that, you know, that some of the things that have been pestering us at work, at school, in our communities that we need to pray? And yet we're always praying, uh, you know, and it, and it doesn't seem to those, be those big, bold prayers that we want to be, want to see change take place uh, in our community or in our lives and in our, in our, in our families. We need to start praying bold prayers. Uh, some of us need to start praying boldly as well. Uh, you know, and uh, the question is, how bold should our prayers be? How bold should our prayers be? There is no limit that is given. In fact, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us. Other translations say infinitely more than we can ever imagine. So what is the limit to how bold our prayers can be? There is no limit. There is no limit. A few years, uh, a few years ago, I was walking up. Uh, I was walking up towards church. Our church is in the center of town. I was walking up church, and then I turned to the right, and I noticed that uh, there was a spot that used to occupy a nightclub uh, right next door. And I realized that hey, there's no nightclub, but it had been like that for a few months. And then it dawned on me, and then I said, man. And then I remembered that as a youth leader, when I was a youth leader at our church, we would be praying. And, you know, this nightclub was a rowdy one. And so after youth, you'd come down, you'd have a lot of people on the streets drinking. And so we would gather the youth together and we'd say, Lord, this will not happen in our street. You know, and we started praying that this nightclub would close. You know, walking down and pointing to the nightclub would close. A few years later, like I said, and I walked up and I realized that this, this nightclub had actually closed. And I said... You know, and I praised God that day because I knew that the prayers that we had prayed much earlier had been answered. You know, how bold are our prayers? What are some things that are disturbing our community that we need to start to raise the level of our boldness in terms of our prayer life? Uh, there was one instance when uh, I was in New Zealand. We were, we were training, ski training. So in order to go up the mountain for ski training, you know, you wake up early in the morning at 5 o'clock. And then the drive up, drive up in the van is about, uh, you know, it takes about two hours to reach up to the mountain. So it was very cold. You know, you go ski, t- ski training, very cold. Get up to the mountain, and then you start skiing. On my first run down, uh, the place was very cloudy, uh, you know, and you almost couldn't see, uh, you almost couldn't see uh, what was in front of you. So after the first run, the, uh, uh, the coaches come and they say, hey, you know, we have to, uh, if, it, if it continues this way, we'll have to stop our training. And, you know, we'll have to pack up and head back down the mountain. And I'm like, no. You know, I just woke up 5 o'clock in the morning. 
It's already cold for an islander in, you know, up in the mountains. And then you have to travel two hours to get up to the mountain to ski training. I said, not today. So we got on, I got on the, on the, on the, um, on the, the chairlifts to go back up. And I'm saying, Lord, you're going to move this mountain. You're going to move these clouds. You're going to clear it, let the sun come in. And we're going to, I'm going to train today. Reached up the top of the mountains. The wind came, blew the clouds away. And we had a perfectly fine day to train. Uh, you know, and so, these are some things that, you know, uh, I've experienced in my prayer life. R.C. Sproul uh, stated, The issue of faith is not so much whether we believe in God, but whether we believe in the God that we believe in. The issue of faith is not so much whether we believe in God, but whether we believe in the God that we believe in. You know, our God has said that we can do immeasurably more than we can ever do. And yet, we still doubt Him with the way that we pray our prayers. I'm reminded of a story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. And, you know, and God took him outside uh, and said, Now look at the heavens and count the stars if you are able, uh, if you are able to. And then, and then he declared, So shall be your offspring as well. You know, and you know, one time I went outside and I looked, at, I looked outside and I saw the clear sky. And I'm like, okay, I estimated a couple of thousand, maybe a million, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a billion stars. And if you look at, you probably give a figure, okay, roughly a million. Uh, stars or billion or a couple billion but the bible does not state a number that abraham thought okay and i don't think that abraham even settled on a number he didn't even think he didn't think billion the fact that the fact that his descendants are still alive today and counting indicated that he didn't set on a figure when he when he looked up at the stars he had an infinite number his faith saw an unlimited number of descendants and that is why his descendants are still alive today and counting. You know, and so when God asked us to count, he did not settle on a number. He wants us to be bold as well in terms of our prayers as well. Uh, pray, uh, I love this, uh, I read uh, an article by a pastor, Andrew Sandlin, and he said, pray according to God's, uh, God's prescriptive will and not his secretive will. What, he, what uh, Andrew Sandlin said was, we would know the specifics of God's secret will. That is why it's, uh, that it's a secret. But God's will in the Bible is not secret, it's revealed. Uh, we know what God's, reveal, uh, God's revealed will is, and we pray according to his will. And so he gave a few examples. He says, you know, when we pray, and so a lot of times, you know, when we pray for healing, uh, sometimes you ask him, Lord, if it's your will, you know, uh, you would... Uh, you would uh, open the womb of, uh, you know, of, of uh, you know, praying for, for a womb to open. But when we read in First Samuel, we read of Hannah. When she prayed, she said, Lord, please give me this child. She didn't ask for God's will uh, that, you know, that uh, it be done, that, that God would open a womb. Uh, when we read uh, about Jesus uh, praying for the sick, you know, he's not praying that all the, all the apostles, that they will be done in, in, in the healing of the sick. No, they are praying that this, uh, this sick will be healed. And that the lame will stand and, 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 and walk. You know, and so it's not praying about, Lord, your will be done for, for this person in healing. No, we pray the willing. We pray the prayer of healing because it is God's revealed will. Now, it does not mean that God will answer all our prayers or all our bold prayers. But just like a father uh, would give, you know, who would not give all requests by a child, so does God because he knows what's best. And we see this as well in the life of Paul in Second Corinthians. Where, he, where God would not heal a thorn in his flesh as well. Grant Osborne said, God is sovereign, 
and can say no to our prayers. But we should not expect God to request, uh, to reject our request. Uh, there was a research that was done, and uh, they did a research, and they found out that apart from the Psalms, uh, the Bible records no fewer than 650 def- definite prayers that were being prayed. Out of these, there were no less than 450 prayers that were recorded uh, answers. Okay, that's a pretty good figure. 450 answers prayers out of 650. That's a 70, 70% uh, proportion uh, of prayers that were being answered. Okay, God doesn't always answer our prayers, but He always, uh, but He all answers many more prayers than He probably would if we hadn't prayed it. So let's continue to persist in our bold prayers. Uh, now, there's something that I would like to share as well is, uh, you know, sometimes bold prayers can also border on ignorant bold prayers. Uh, and what I mean by that as well is sometimes we, uh, there's a thin line between faith and ignorance, you know, and uh, related to some of the things that we do. And so recently when I was coming over, uh, I was applying for my visa. And so I was delaying the application for my visa, delaying the application for my visa, and I'm like, one week before, and usually it takes 19 to 24, uh, 24 days to actually grant a visa approval. So I had to come to Australia. So the visa, I had the South African visa, but not Australian visa. One week before I, uh, before I came, I still had a visa. And I'm like, oh, it's okay, you know, I'll, I'll just apply and I'll pray and I'll ask God to give me the visa. And uh, Monday I applied, and then I realized on Tuesday that I was supposed to go and submit my biometrics. I was like, oh no. So I rushed down to the, rushed down to the, uh, to go and get my biometrics. And then on Wednesday, I checked my application online. And I was like, oh no, I'm supposed to give some other information. And two days left, Thursday, Friday. And I'm saying, Lord, you're going to give me this visa. <laughs> you're going to give me this visa. Uh, so I started to get a bit desperate as well. Started to make a few calls. Nothing. Friday was my son's birthday. So I said, okay, Friday afternoon, let's just relax. Let's go and watch a movie with the kids. 30 minutes before the close of our business. Email comes from the Australian embassy, says that I got my visa. Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to do something like that, you know. And I think that was probably a bit ignorant on my side as well, in terms of you know testing God, saying, "Oh, I'm just going to apply and pray and ask God to do it." You know, I had, you know, wisdom is exercised there. You know, you 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 know you can take a uh, pray. You know, you can. I could have applied weeks in advance as well. Okay, just a few things that I would like to share just before I end off is prayer causes change. You know, as we pray, prayer changes us and changes circumstances. Um, you know, uh, my wife and I, we pray every morning. So we would wake up every morning and we'd pray. Uh, we pray with each other. Uh, you know, and you know, uh, you know, like husbands and wives, you know, we're not perfect. Sometimes I go to bed at night, uh, you know, and I'm mad with my wife. Even though I know the verse that I have to, you know, uh, not get angry and not let the sun get under my anger. Please forgive me, you know, sometimes I'm not that uh, perfect. You know, and so, and so, you know, and ever since we started praying together every morning, have you ever tried praying with somebody that you had a grudge with? My goodness, you know. And so there's one particular morning, I had a bit of a grudge from the previous day, but because we made this covenant, and the covenant and the commitment was with God, not with my wife. And I said, I had to get up, and I had to honor this, and I had to pray. And, you know, as we pray, you know, I, I realized that, God is healing me emotionally as well. Things that we you know probably that I would normally take into the day, you know, was actually healed. You know, they said the best way to love your enemy is to pray for them. You know, and as you pray, it causes circumstances. Okay, uh, God causes circumstances to uh, to change for the best uh, of us as well. You know, and I can look back 
you know, there was a video that we watched uh, previously on, uh, some of you may have watched Digital Cocaine. At the end of it, the guy says that, you know, playing video games, two hours of playing video games is like taking one snot, a row, a line of cocaine. And at the end, he said, if there's one thing that he recommends, that you do not get engaged into video games or gaming. And then as I look back, I said, wow, you know, like back in my teenage years, I loved playing video games, but I made a decision that I would never buy a video game, P PL, PX or whatever those games they're called. Sorry, I forgot. I don't know the name, but I don't play. But I made a commitment as a young person that I wouldn't play these games. And then as, as I look back at it as, as an as a, as a, as a old person, I'm like, you know, why would I have made the decision as a young person? And I firmly believe it was God, you know, ushering or directing some of those paths as well uh, in my life. And, you know, and um, that, you know, and, and God causes circumstances and he will cause your paths and direct your path as well. The last point I'd like to share with you from Colossians chapter 4 verses 12. Uh, in Ephesus, uh, one who, who is one, a servant of the Messiah Jesus, sends you to his greetings. He is always wrestling in his prayers for you, so that you may uh, that you may stand matured, completely convinced of the entire will of God. You know the concept of wrestling in prayer is very striking. You know, uh, says something. It involves a disciplined effort. It involves your whole body. And so when you understand the sport of uh, wrestling, a combat sport, a physical sport, you know, uh, your whole body, your whole mind, uh, and spirit is involved in in in, in wrestling. And, you know, and Paul uses it intentionally here, is that when we pray, you know, it involves a whole being, uh, you know, and that, uh, we, that we need to wrestle in prayer as well. And, you know, and I don't know who are the people that we are praying for, um, that we need to wrestle in prayer for. Maybe it might be our city. Maybe it might be our school. Maybe it might be our town, our family members. I don't know what are some of those dangerous or bold prayers that some of us need to start to pray so that we can start to activate some of the calling that God has in our lives. Or maybe to alter some of the circumstances that we are facing at home, wherever God has placed us. But my encourage, us to, my encourage to you this, this, uh, uh, this morning is let us continue to wrestle in prayer for our families, our friends, and the opportunity to share the hope that is within us. Can I ask if we can stand, probably for a minute or two, uh, if you can get into groups of three or four, and just pray, and just pray. Um, and, let, and, let, and let God direct your prayers. Uh, I don't expect you to start praying bold prayers here, but if God is impressing upon your heart to, to pray one of those dangerous prayers, there, uh, trust me, there are consequences that come with praying dangerous and bold prayers as well. But the benefits and the fruits are wonderful. So let us pray. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.